You're not feeling like yourself anymore. You're not alone. Whether you're concerned about your weight, your energy level, a lack of sex drive, or hormone imbalance, solutions are waiting for you at Nava Health. With a technology-driven approach, Nava's medical experts craft custom plans that adapt as you progress, optimizing your health. Start feeling better now at navacenter.com forward slash POD. That's navacenter.com forward slash POD. Or call 855-680-6282. Results may vary. Do better, do better today on Do by the River. It's the special edition of Do by the River as we are talking MLS Cup. It is the MLS Cup preview, ladies and gentlemen. Union versus LAFC, and you do not want to go anywhere because you do not want to miss this episode of Do by the River. And let's get it started, guys. Eh, done. Do by the River. Doesn't do anything well. There is not one. I- I'm sorry. There was no creativity. As a union fan, I take that all day. Another DP. We need to go get Mario Balotelli. And that is right. Welcome, everyone, to Duke by the River, the show where we follow everything Philadelphia Union. And, of course, we are brought to you by Philly Sports Network. Before we dive into today's episode, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, welcome everyone who's watching live on El Parcero Philly's YouTube channel. Make sure you guys hit the like button and subscribe for more of your live viewings of Duke by the River. And of course, you can find us wherever you stream podcasts from Apple, Google, and Spotify. Find us under Duke by the River podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my expert in duping, Justin Body by Burke instructor, instructor Friedberg. Justin, dude. We did it! We're going to the cup, Justin. Dude, I, I, I just I really just want to take these next thirty minutes. We'll talk about the match, but I want to take some time talking about how we are feeling because I think that is very important, not only for us but for the fan base. We're all in, in a euphoric state right now. Yeah, you know, as 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 many might be able to tell, I uh, do not have uh, much of a voice. It's better than it was yesterday, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how, you know, what the words to describe it. It, 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 it's like, you know, the more I, the more I think about it, I, I still feel at a loss for words. Like I was on Sunday, it, you know, having been a fan since the beginning, having been a season ticket holder for the last, you know, seven years or so it's, it's, it's been a lot, you know, we've definitely had a lot of downs. And we finally started to have some ups and this, you know, this kind of feels like a bit of vindication for last year. Um, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm just so fucking ecstatic. Like, you know, you, I, you know, you, I, I'm not, I'm not much of an emotional person, but when, when that, when that final whistle went off, I, I honestly couldn't contain myself. I was beyond ecstatic and, I think it was a, you know, I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say that this was like, finally, you know, for us Indian fans that were there for those of us no longer here, it, it, it had such an emotional response for a lot of people that I think, you know, it just shows how, 
how big this team has been for the fans. I mean, you, you nail on the head. I mean, for me, like, obviously, it's a very special moment, but I can't help but think about the fans who have put up with a lot more than I have, who've been through, you know, thick and thin. You know, when the union started, I was a teenager. I was a young adult, um, you know, and as a young adult, you're going through just the trials and tribulations of being a young adult. And, you know, for the union, it, it wasn't always my top priority. Obviously, as I got older, the love, you know, grew, grew. And as I got to meet, you know, people like you and people like Tim and, and you know, everyone in Sons of Ben and just growing in this community, it, it's every single match, every single season. It just means a lot more to me. And what happened on Sunday night, Justin? It's not it's, I understand it's not the final step, right? Like we want that cup, but to understand like where we came from, you know, we were an absolute joke of a club. Like, <laughs> I mean, the Sakevich, everyone remembers the Sakevich years. Everyone, uh, you know, we talked, we had Sebo on the show talking about the time when they got kicked out of the chat was the Chester high school practice field. And like, that is kind of where that club was kind of at, you know, we were in a, we were heading in no direction. And then obviously we could talk about the Ernie Stewart days. You can talk about how Ernst kind of turned this team into an elite squad. Um, but to see where this club came from to now, it's really what hits me the most. Um, and I, I, I got emotional as well. I mean, I, it's just hard not to, especially, you know, Justin, I think for me as well, like, we're part of something that is still growing. Like this is a baby. When you look at this club compared to even teams around uh, in the other professional sports clubs around the world, as far as soccer goes, this is a baby of a league, a baby of a club. And, uh, and it's just, it's crazy that we're at this point now and we have an opportunity to bring home possibly one of two championships to Philadelphia. And that is obviously really something special as well. And, you know, I, I think I saw Jeff and some of the old Sons of Ben members, you know, putting out, you know, uh, the old members who kind of, you know, have, have gone and passed. And that was a really touching moment. You know, you think back to the Eagles Super Bowl and, you know, you bring up your grandmom, your grandpa who who got you into watching the Eagles. And it kind of feels that same way. Uh, but, Justin, the job is definitely not done, my friend. Nope, not in the slightest. Uh, AK Gamer, are you guys going to cry if you guys win? I, I, I would, I would assume so. I, I think for me, I know it's crazy coming from me, but if the Union win on on Saturday night, I honestly think it, it would be sweeter than the Eagle Super Bowl. And I know that it can sound as hot takeish as you, as it may be, but like like I just talked about, growing within this this team. I mean, e Eagles have been around forever and ever and ever, and that's something I feel like that kind of was inherited to me. But the union, like we were here through the beginning. I feel like that would be much more special. So AK Gaming, for sure. And I'm sure Justin yeah. the same way. We're going to be crying. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I said to to my dad, you know, if, if they win, my friend and I are going to be going crazy. And my dad sends me a text back saying, uh, just don't get naked. And I said, can't make any promises. Sorry, said, Dad. Sorry, Dad. I said, you know, you know, whatever happens, happens. But no, I will. I'll be an absolute mess if uh, if if the union win. I I like, yeah. It'll just it'll just mean more than I think a lot of people, you know, will 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 understand. And, and and Justin too to the point as well. I mean, we I think the storyline was you know one of the big factors of this match. Everyone kept talking about, you know, considering last year's COVID game and finally we're able to get over the lump and I mean, the way they they won the game nycc went up first 
kind of how we did last year. And then, of course, we erupted for three goals, and NYCFC got two clutch goals at the end. And just that storyline in general, I mean, that just really made, made it all special. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I think, it, as I said, it felt so sweet just to finally, you know, get to that mark and finally get get over that hump, that, you know, that that, that bugaboo that, we you know, we all as Dean fans were like, oh, no, can we get fastest finally? <laughs> so um, where do you, th- what do you think Nick Sikavich and Peter Nowak or Novak are thinking right now? Uh, where were, where were these investments when we were around? <laughs> like, do, do you, like, do you think about those early years? Like the, those teams and those players? Yeah. I mean, like if you, if you compare it in, in halves, if you compare 20, you know, 2010 to 2016 and 2017 on, they're two different, like two different ethos of, of philosophy and, you know, infrastructure and, means I, I think the first half I mean listen yeah we had a playoff you know playoff in 2011 we had two open cup finals but outside of that there wasn't a whole lot of growth and I think you know once you get into 2016 2017 you're getting into you know from Ernie Stewart to Ernst you're getting Ali you're getting the emergence of Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie you know, I, I think you see a very big delineation between the two halves of the union's existence, to be honest. Yeah, man. Um, I guess we can we can knock this question out the way or we could knock this topic out the way. Uh, Brian or or Oriella or Yana, I'm sorry. Blake robbed of MVP. Obviously, Huni Mukhtar announced today. Not actually not too long ago. Uh, named MVP for this season. Um, I think it's rightfully so. Right, Justin? I yeah I don't I think I mean despite the fact that I I think all three players that were involved were absolutely MVPs for their teams, um, but I always you know as the votes went you're always gonna have the offensive players are the ones that are gonna really move the needle on that so I'm I said it all the whole way that it was gonna be Mukhtar like I don't think there was any doubt whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, listen, Andre Blake may be the MVP of these playoffs, but, you know, it's, we're talking regular season here, but for sure, making his case, man. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, man? Philly for MLS Cup and World Series. That's that's what we're talking about. That's hey, I got, I, talking I, about. I got game three on right now, you know. I'm, that is correct. That is correct. I'm, I'm, Philly, I'm, ready. Game I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to get my heart broken <laughs> or excited. Who knows? Who knows? It's going to be a whole lot of emotions over the next few days. It's a different Philadelphia, all right. We we we're we're Winadelphia these days, all right. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if the Phillies win, the Union win, like, can can the world handle sustained Philadelphia success, nah. or will it be burned the the entire world to the ground? Uh, and, and that's not even just that. I mean, the Eagles could potentially win a Super Bowl. I know everyone's still sour. Oh yeah, no, that happens there's... again. Yeah, like I said, the the city of Philadelphia will. Uh, literally be a war of 1812 and burned to the ground and then rebuilt. <laughs> I'm just saying that's, that's, you know, that's what's going to happen. It is fun, man. And I'm glad the union are part of this as well, man. It's, 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 it's definitely a beautiful time, man. Um, AK gaming saying he thinks we're going to win in pens. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that a little uh, bit later. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't know. I mean, I don't know if it'll go that far to be honest. Yeah, we'll see, man. And are we going to the game live? I've had this question asked a lot to me. Yeah. Honestly, I, 
our uh, our 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 good pal uh, Eve of the Ball is Round um, messaged me after the game, and we were talking. You know, we we're chatting the last few days, and she goes, "Oh, you going to the game?" And yeah, and like she was one of the first to ask me, and I said, "I said no." Like one trips out to L.A. with everything, or could be LA crazy. Ain't cheap, guys. Yeah, but also like I. You know, I've had this golf trip lined up. It's one I do every year, and I had travel insurance only on the the predication that the union were hosting. Um, so I, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm, I can, you know, still watch the game when I go, and actually, you know, go on a vacation as well. So I will be watching from whatever bar I can in Myrtle Beach. In Myrtle Beach. All right, let's get to a couple more of these comments, and then we're going to get to the actual match here. Uh, goalkeeper of the year is like Cy Young. It's hard for a goalkeeper to break out and win MVP. Yeah, I think, what was it? Like, was it Tony Miola? It was either the only, the only ones to either win it or be nominated. Um, I just think, as a, as a, a goalkeeper myself, I just don't, like. Say it with your chest, Justin. It, it is the most underappreciated, but the most easily criticized position. Like 100%. 100%. It is, it, 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 and it's something that like when I listen to broadcast, the thing that, that really grinds my gears to go into a, a rant is when non goalies make comments about, Oh, well, you know, the goalie should have saved that or, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, like any, anything about, you know, positioning or like rebound spills and, like I'll always look at a shot and go, well, you know what? Yeah, the goalie did spill that wasn't great. Or and then I'll say one like, well, there was a screen. There was a, like, it, I always try to give the goalie the benefit of the doubt. Um, and you know when a goalie makes a save, it's like wow. And then you forget about it like two seconds later for most people. So I, I think you know as we'll talk about in this game, the value of a goalie, the value of a save, can mean way more than anyone will ever realize in the terms of the the momentum of a game. All right, one more question here, Justin. This is a good one. Best visitor at the tailgate, the Cooligans, Tommy Bogues, or the MLS production team? You were obviously the <laughs> Um yeah, so I was uh I was texting our our pal uh our pal uh Christian uh asking cuz you know they were in they were in DC for the NWSL uh final and I was like, "Hey, yeah, you know, whenever you guys get here, I'm I'm over at the, uh, the the beer at the beer table. Come say hey, and so you know I saw them walking over, and they were they were chilling. And then you know, of course, I uh, they got I, the uh, swagger about them when they walk. Oh my so, god, like, Alexis too! And finally, for the first time, you know, like you know, Alexis knows me and knows, and we've talked several times, but it's the first time we ever met. And he like gave me the biggest of hugs, and we were just chilling. We were you know living on things, each other. Yeah. And oh, then, dude. yeah, and then I was, I had been joking with, with, um, with, uh, Tom about, you know, coming to the tailgate. And next thing I know, I see this, you know, you see this stash. I see this, yeah, I see a man about my height walking <laughs> over in a hoodie and black pants and the stash. And I'm like, oh my God. The hoodie. <laughs> Yo, the hoodie was fresh. I would not lie. Tom, I don't Tom's doubt got, that, bro. Tom, Tom's got some, 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 uh, some, some, some solid drip. But you know, I was I was introduced, you know, myself, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm the one that uh, you know, took the prodded you to come to the ticket. He's like, no, nah. he's like, 
he's like, I appreciate it. He's like, I I had known that, you know, Alexis and Christian were coming and it was, it was really fun. You know, I got the, you know, the, to, to talk with, with Alexis and Christian for a while, got to talk with Tom for a bit, you know, just kind of, you know, riffing and, you know, just, uh, Pablo Mauer was there of all people. What? He made Tom the trip. Like, Tom's like, have you met Pablo? And Pablo was like, I'm like, yeah. And I mentioned the, the EMLS event from 2020 and Pablo was like, oh yeah, sure. I remember that. And you know, it was fun, you know, and you know, Kenny Higginbotham stopped by. I gave Danny yes, a, uh, see him. A, a, a twisted tea. You know, he was uh, he was out. He was out, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, Danny, Danny drinks the twisted teas. Oh yeah, no, he was. Uh, I, I was, you know, I was like Danny. You think you could use a top off? He's like, oh, I appreciate. it. I'm like, there you go, there you go. Uh, yeah, no, like it, it, the the tailgate was wild. It was sold out. Five hundred, about five hundred tickets Shout, or so. Sounds about sell out. You know, shouts to everyone, you know, Devin all season, you know, doing great tailgates. Haley and Kelsey for, you know, helping me run the beer table and just, you know, being a sense of all that chaos because it got very chaotic during that day. And we were all, even before the match, we were all just standing there exhausted and the game hadn't even started yet. So shouts off to, to everyone, all the volunteers besides myself that, you know, really made that tailgate popping. Absolutely. I stopped by. It definitely looked absolutely great. And why wouldn't it? Because it was NYCFC. It was the Philadelphia Union. Justin, let's get into this matchup real quick. Um, so to start it off, the lineup, uh, obviously the same. You got your original, your A1, your A-team lineup. Ali back in the starting 11 with Olivier on the right fullback. Everything else the same. Um, and through the first half, although... Uh, NYCFC dominating possession. The Union seemed to have, seemed to dictate the pace of the, the match. They had some, they had better opportunities at NYCFC. Um, and heading into the second half, you know, one thing that was really evident in the first half was Ali's fitness. And of course, you know, Justin, Tim, and I noticed it very well, and it was kind of heartbreaking to watch. And to Jim made the tough decision at halftime to switch Jack in for Ali. Couldn't go anymore. Uh, and then you know, uh, we got. Uh, 12 minutes into the first half uh, NYCFC they kept pressing and uh, the union you know I, I just I don't know if it was Jack trying to get, get himself acclimated into it with him you know coming in in the uh, in the second half beginning of the second half but NYCFC got the union on a good one um, off you know off a quick break and uh, off a of crossing and Maxi Morales he's like this as Justin would say he's, he, he's his height so it's kind of tough to catch Maxi Morales as he's running down the center of the pitch and he gets it right past Andre Blake and, you know, ensued NYCFC acted like they just won the match and they're celebrating in the corner and they're ready booking their tickets to L.A. And everyone in the stands and even everyone in the on the pitch knew it's going to be all right. That stuff happens, but we still got plenty of time left to play. So the union put the foot on the darn gas pedal, ladies and gentlemen. First, it starts off with off of a free kick. Uh, Julian, uh, Julian Carranza from Jakob Glezis, a great pass. And Julian Carranza absolutely bullying. I believe it was Martins, the defender. If not, it was it was Collins. But Sean Johnson creeping far too uh, far too left, creeping up on that post, lefty far post, wide the F open. Julian Carranza took advantage of that space. That got the place wound up as a tied-up match. And then literally two minutes later, Jack McGlynn with a perfect pass in into the box. Cooling Carranza with great awareness heads the ball right at Gazdak's foot just for him to blast it right past Sean Johnson. 
That got the uni the lead, but they were not done there. Corey Burke comes in the match for Mikhail Ua, and six minutes later, what an absolute run by Corey Burke. He's looking like freaking Jordan Howard running down the middle of the damn pitch. There was no one stopping him. He loses the ball in the box. He gets a shot off off of his, off of his uh, opposite foot, and that got a three spot. And that is all the union needed. It got a little dicey and my CFC was pushing, but the union were clamping down. They were not allowing another goal. They were determined to head their ass to the LA. And after 90 minutes, ladies and gentlemen, your Philadelphia union got the monkey off the back and hoisted the Eastern Conference final cup or championship, whatever you want to call it. And we're heading to LA. Justin, give me your takeaway from this match, man. What a 90 minutes we watched, brother. Yeah. You know, the first half, there wasn't too much to take away. Um, Daniel Gazag had the, you know, goal that was chalked off for offside, roughly so. Um, you know, after, after that, I think the Union were the better team in the first half. It was very clear. Um, once you got about 30 minutes, 35 minutes in, you could tell Ali was struggling. Um, and, you know, he was, you know, making you know not making the runs he usually would and you could tell he was he was done and in jack Lynn was was getting what you know was was getting those solid warm-ups and and it was expected i think they said if they could get Ali to get 45 they would be happy um you know the union had their chances early and the goal you know came off a you know off a, a free kick you know john johnson sprays it wide out the tenor home tenor home gets it to the middle and makes that run Max Morales finds the ball. Terrell first times that right into the path of Santi Rodriguez. Rodriguez lays it off. And Morales, I mean, listen, that's one of the few times Andre Blake is not going to be able to save that shot. Um, you know, NYCFC were, you know, acting like they had just scored a late winner. You know, they were going ballistic and their fans were. And it was, you know, and last year that would have deflated the team. And then, uh, but it's, you know, you were there with me as soon as they, you know, the, you know, the celebration was done. The union, union, the stadium got louder and the fans got back into it. And then the team, you know, it's, it was, it was dicey for a few minutes. Andre Blake with a, I, when I say saves can be momentum changers, Andre Blake save on Alexander Collins, that header had some real power. I mean, that thing was hard. You know, that thing was hit, hit with some pace. And Andre Blake with the strong arm to, you know, for force that away and Jack Gay with the clearance. And then boom, the union, like all that, you know, like that lit a fire. And they, you know, what was already kind of in moment, you know, started, just got accelerated. And then, yeah, on a, on a dead ball, NYCFC caught napping. I mean, that's a off the training, you know, training ground kind of a play. And, you know, Carranza perfectly, perfectly ran, perfectly weighted, perfect ball. Sean Johnson was off his line, one-one, boom. You know, two minutes later, Jack McGlynn with a perfect, perfect ball. And the one thing, you know, and they said it on the broadcast, the one thing that Daniel Gazdag has done well this season has been the follow-up on on these on these balls. It's why you know he's 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 a goal-hungry ten. He 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 loves to make that crashing run, and you know when that ball came in, he was I mean he was just on side, perfectly timed, and he waits and smashes that thing. 
you know, under the roof. I mean, he got over that and just lofted at Sean Johnson, had no chance. And, you know, the, the Union were, were riding. And, yeah, Corey Burke's goal, I mean, my Lord. First off, just throwing, throwing the young, you know, midfielder who throws in the center back, Justin Hack, completely just, you know, sit down, young buck, and let me show you how it's done. And just slaloming through, gets around the midfielder, tries to cut it back, ball gets knocked away. Tanner Home tries to clear it, bounces around off Corey Burke. Corey Burke doesn't even have to take a touch. Blam, bounces it right home, 3 1. And honestly, at that point, it was just like, holy shit, this game in an instant has been turned on its head. The Union are in control. And it just like the more I kept looking at the clock, I'm going, this this can't be real. Like this 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 can't be real. What what is what is happening? You know, and honestly, it was like, holy shit, holy shit. We're going to the MLS Cup final. A well deserved for the for the way this team, you know, most goals scored in the team's history, second best goal differential in league history. You know, t- you know, least amount of goals given up in a 34 game season, second least given up all time. It it just it just feels right, like it just feels right, and like I I still legitimately I am I'm pretty at a loss for words to describe the feeling, but we are going to the fucking MLS Cup final. Absolutely, man. Um. I wanted to bring up um, the attack and predominantly Daniel Gazdak. I, I, he got the goal, but I, just throughout the entire match, the dude was everywhere. He was he kept going like that engine t- did not stop. I think I was telling Tim like he was going on the press. It reminded me like Seva. Like remember when Seba would go on that press and he's just like running wild. He's got this crazy face in his on his face. Like, like that's how Daniel Gazak was out through throughout points of the match. And like as I, I don't want to look too far ahead because we're gonna talk about the LAFC match, but this group, right? Gazak, Karansa, and Uwa. I think what we spent five million around that for these three guys, and they are an elite bunch. And in the second half, I mean. They got their opportunity. They really turned it the f on, like that. The Gazak goal, like what a great awareness by Karansa. Just lay that with his head to Gazak's foot, man. His feet. I'm sorry. And so, it, it, to me, like that was really impressive. The way I mean, Gazak was just dominant on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, this this front three. We said it all year. You know, especially in the first half of the season before they really kicked it on in July. We said once they really get going, once they get this chemistry, it'll be it'll be perfect because we we saw from the first moment that Gazlag and Carranza had the, the chemistry. Ua obviously with the visa issues and with the injuries, he needed time to settle in. But it's been very clear on both sides of the ball. This front three has been a workhorse. I think they are the best front three in the league. Uh, you know, full stop. It they have you know in terms of goal contributions, in terms of you know, feeding off each other. They, you know, Daniel Gazdag has an insane work rate on both ends of the ball. Carranza is willing to get dirty, willing to get in their spots. And Mikel Uwa is, you know, it's probably the speedster of the three, but 
he, you know, isn't afraid to be physical, is not afraid to really throw his body around and be able to hold off defenders and, you know, get in those dirty areas, all three of them. And, you know, they, they love combining with each other. And it's, it's something that I don't think we've ever seen in, in this, you know, in union history to see a, a, an attacking trio of this magnitude. Yeah, I liked how because we talked about in the preview, you know, we all knew the back line was definitely going to be weak for NYCFC. And, you know, I saw a lot of those those um, balls over the top that they were trying to get through, try to, to attack that back line. You saw the press throughout the match as well. Um, but obviously, I mean, the lasting image is going to be Burke just freaking manhandling. <laughs> Mark, man. And that's the thing. The, and they mentioned it on the broadcast. You know, I, I've been watching the, the highlights a number of times. And on the chance that Uwa had that current, that Johnson forced wide, the Stu Holden kept saying, you know, the Union, you know, the NYCFC is playing a dangerous game, where they are, they're, they're, everyone's, they're throwing everyone else up high, and the Union are going, okay, you know what, we're gonna throw it over the top, and Carranza and Uwa, you guys settle it down or either take it down net, and that's what they were doing. They were they were stretching the back that back three, which I think they were missing Chanel, but yeah, you know, I, I mean hack I will say the kid tried to hold his own. I, I think he did a decent job. You know, that was a tough ask of anyone. Um but yeah, it, it it was a it was a matter of time before the union broke that defense down. You know, it it is next to impossible to shut down this front three. And, you know, with the, with the options they have and, you know, the amount of players that can crash the box and also get back, it it, it makes this, this union team, like I said, they are probably one of the most dangerous teams, the most dangerous team in the East by far, and one of the most dangerous teams in the MLS. And it's fitting that both number one seeds for the first time since 2003 make it to the MLS Cup Final and I fully expect this game to be an absolute juggernaut. What was that matchup in 2003? I believe it was uh, Chicago Fire. I think Chicago Fire, DC United. Uh, I will uh... I believe it was Chicago and SKC. I, I think AK Gaming gave us this on Sunday or yeah, on Sunday night. But I would have to double check, and and that would be. Uh, uh, mm... 2003, it was almost 2003 was uh, Chicago Fire and San Jose Earthquakes. The San Jose Earthquakes. Okay, okay. So definitely uh, def- San Jose winning 4-2. to two. Landon Donovan scoring two goals and being named MVP. Of course he was. Of course he was. Uh, I appreciate you. Great the clarification Mr. Mr. AK Gaming there. But that's, like, but that's crazy. Like the fact that, and, and that's one of the things I love about, you know, about this about this league is you know it, it that shows that there's been so much parody in this league over its, its existence but it also shows that man like especially the fact the two number one seeds are la and, and philly and it's not the la galaxy like it you know it that's the thing like this is you know th- this these next evolutions of mls have been have been wild and i'm i've i've i'm here for the ride i love it I love all, all the all the parody and all the chaos. All right. Well, with that being said, Justin, it's time, man. It's time to talk about this matchup, brother. 
I'm 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 for, I don't, I've never been this excited to preview a match and I am now. Because this is it. It's it's for the cup. It's for what we've talked about all along, man. And this is and and it's not just that, just this is a really fun matchup. Like I, as a soccer nerd, purist, whatever you want to call it, this is a really exciting match between both these sides. So Justin, let's get to this in preview. So uh joining us, ladies and gentlemen, from the shoulder to shoulder podcast, please welcome. Mr. Jonathan Reimer to help us previous match. What's going on, man? How you feeling, bro? Oh, Jonathan, you're muted there, man. Oh, now we still can't hear you. At some point, we, we were able to hear him, too, earlier, guys. We promised we were able to hear him. All right, we'll... Uh, all right we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll try to get this fixed guys we'll in just one second no worries we'll have we'll have jonathan in in just one moment hey, that's you know technical difficulty we, we, we know how to handle these these days guys right now we appreciate you coming in here man what's going on right now how you feeling I, I want to wait to talk about this match because I, I really want to get Jonathan's in perspective and input here about this one. Where how, what was your what was your feeling, Justin, when you found out that it was LAFC, not Austin? Because obviously that had a lot to do with where the match should be played. Yeah, um, like I guess it was kind of mixed emotions. Like, dang, you know, they won't be able to uh, to you know. You know, say I could, you know, go to the game in Philadelphia, but I'm also like, yeah, I get to go on my 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 golf trip, and but like, it's like <laughs> the yeah, like the way the union is still is still they still advance. Like, I get to go down there and watch it, and then like, absolutely. The, All right, let's see, if, let's see if Jonathan. Let's see if Jonathan is as good to go here. What's up, Jonathan? Nah, we still got nothing, man. Um, like I don't know if you. Here's I don't know if you want to plug the mic. Washer. It does sound like a washer. How about now? Okay. Yeah. There we go. There, there we go. Oh, yeah. bueno, amigo. So sorry about that. Everything was working pre-show. It showed everything is looking. I know. And my apologies. Um, That's all good, man. Thank you guys for having me. Sorry about that. No, it's all good, man. John, we really appreciate you having in here, man. So uh, obviously you watch LAFC up close and personal, my man. So just kind of tell the people who have never heard you before kind of what you do, man. Uh, so my name's Jonathan Reimer. I am the co-host of the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Uh, you can follow us at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. I sit in the 3252 with the District 9 Ultras, sit on the council for the 3252 as well, too. I also do the TV broadcast for the Empire Strikers in the MASL. Look at that, man. Look at that resume. I like that. All right, Jonathan. Um, so were you a, uh, a former U.S. USA fan? I always have to ask this. Uh, yes. Yes, I was. Um, so, you know, being uh, an Angelino, right, I, I support my local clubs which I tried to do in 96 when the first club showed up here in Los Angeles. But uh, that was a very, very difficult atmosphere and club to really get behind. Uh, I tried to be a fan from day one and just had so many terrible experiences with fans and at the stadium. And it was really kind of uh, a lot of orange slices and Capri Suns and not really the soccer mm -hmm. culture I was hoping to see here in the States. 
I got a lot of family back in Germany and was really hoping for a little bit more intense style fandom. Uh, didn't really get that. Uh, kind of fell out of MLS, continued watching European soccer. Uh, Chivas USA showed up and I was ecstatic about that. But uh, right around that time, I work in the alcohol industry and I was up in wine country in Northern California. So I didn't get to come to a lot of games. Mm-hmm. When work brought me back here to Los Angeles, that was right around the time LAFC was forming. So it was a very easy choice for me to get in on the ground floor. I think I was like the 380 something person to put money down for season tickets and uh, no looking back. And it's been one of the greatest decisions of my sporting life. That is pretty cool, you know, because there are some parallels between LAFC and Philadelphia. How, you know, the fan base pushing the club is so big uh, for both sides. You know, before the union, there was a lot of I don't know. I don't know, Justin, if he can test it as well. But, you know, we had guys who were Red Bull slash Metro Star fans. We had DC United fans because because we just wanted soccer. And, you know, we didn't have a team in Philadelphia. And it's so interesting talking to guys who were fans during those early years. And there was only, you know, so many clubs you could choose from. So it's crazy how much we evolved. And LAFC definitely doing a great job creating just an overall great soccer culture, Jonathan. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is one thing everyone looks at LAFC and they go, oh, they've only, you know, been a club for eight years, only had a team for five years. Like, where did this fan base come from? And I I don't think people realize that there are millions of soccer fans in Los Angeles and so many of them that were disenfranchised with what we had locally, that when this team came around and it checked so many boxes of what people were looking for, that all these fans sort of came out of the woodwork. We were always here within the fabric of Los Angeles. There was just never a team that captivated our attention the way LAFC has. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest has been history. Oh, yeah. Just look at any El Tree match in L.A., any Chivas, any America match in L.A. Dude, they're outselling some of the professional sports teams in L.A. itself, man. It's crazy. Sure, and, and, you know, not only the Latino market as well, too, but, I mean, when any of the European clubs come to play here, you know, I've seen Arsenal here. I've seen Bayern Munich here. I've seen, you know, a ton of English teams and Bundesliga teams and La Liga teams come here, and those stadiums are packed with diehard fans that are so ecstatic about seeing a team they love for the first time. These fans have always been here. There was just, again, never a club that really, you know, found a way to connect with them. Absolutely. Let's get to Sunday a little bit. Um, you know, first off, I want to get kind of, you know, we in the beginning of this pod today, we, t- we talked about our feeling, obviously, what we've gone through with this club and what it meant winning the Eastern Conference. For you personally, and you could talk about the fan, in gen- fan base in general, what does it feel for LAFC to finally get to this point? You guys... A, a kind of a, obviously a brand new club, but you guys have gotten pretty close as well. So how, what was the feeling like after Sunday? I've sat there at the Bank of California Stadium and watched a different team hoist a Western Conference Championship trophy. I, I sat there and watched the Seattle Sounders cover our pitch in their green confetti and watched all their players celebrate with their families. And, and that memory lives strong from 2019 with all of us at the bank, right? Um, And the thought of seeing green confetti, albeit in a lighter shade, adorning the pitch once again, uh, you know, there was a lot of fear for for people, but a belief that this team is built differently this year. Um, And and I know that we have two diametrically opposed teams in, in how they were constructed. You know, a Philly team that has been, you know, so well knit and played together so phenomenally this whole season and an LAFC team that has, you know, got off to a great start, but had a lot of subtractions, a lot of additions, went through a bit of a slag. Well, things were kind of putting themselves together, but, you know, are, are clicking here at the end at the perfect time. And I think for many of us fans, there was still 
you know, what we saw in August had us a little bit fearful of whether or not this team could put it all together come the end of the season. But the kind of performance that we saw this past weekend, I mean, you know, just 10 out of 10 across the entire 11. There wasn't a single player who didn't have one of the best performances of their career and arguably one of the greatest LAFC matches ever played. Absolutely. Jonathan, you mentioned um, this team finally clicking. Since we last met you guys, uh, or since we last played you guys, obviously it, a lot has changed for LAFC roster-wise and obviously the, the play on the pitch as well. But it feels like towards the end of the season, it started really clicking for the team. What has really changed throughout the season to this point now for LAFC? Uh, to me, there's really, I mean, there have been a lot of additions and subtractions to the 11, but there are two to me that have been the most impactful. The first of which has been the addition of Giorgio Chiellini to the back line. His experience, his knowledge, his ability, not only to perform on the pitch, but work with players in the training ground. The defense is night and day different since he has arrived. And you can just see it in how comfortable they look, their positioning. I mean, so much of his impact cannot be overstated on this club. And defensively, what he has been able to do to lock up that back line Obviously, Segura coming back from the ACL injury that had him out until June, reintegrating him back into the squad. I mean, those are two top caliber MLS defenders right there. I think many in the LAFC community would argue that Giorgio Collini, had he played a full season, would be a best 11 type talent on the back line. Nothing against Mario and Ibiaga, but... The, the two of them are certainly not at the same level as Segura and Chiellini. Now, we're obviously probably not going to see Segura in the final. It's going to be Murillo. But knowing that he has Giorgio Chiellini next to him there has been, has been massive. And then up top, Brian Rodriguez, a player with so much talent, so much ability, but never seemed to figure it out, never really fit in LAFC's 4-4 or 4-3-3 system. He, he's better off in a 4-4-2. And, you know, we see him excelling with Club America now. But when Denny Buanga came in, uh, you know, just the power, the ability that he brings up top has really been able to balance the attack to the point where teams have to worry about all three players across that front line now. Where I think, you know, earlier this season, you know, teams knew they could check out from what Raito was doing. But those two additions to me have completely changed the entire direction of the squad. Absolutely. Um, Justin, I kind of want to throw it to you, man. You know, LAFC, it clearly played with a certain pace. And, you know, the Union do it as well. You know, how, how, how do you, how concerned are you with that matchup as far as the pace of LAFC, man? Uh, I'm, not really worried because I think the Union are one of the most well-conditioned teams in the league. As as we the last, I mean that's one thing that Ernst Tanner instilled, you know, in the players and in Jim from the very beginning is, you know, they may not have been the best, and we saw that in 2018, 2019, tried to build, but damn it, are they gonna they're gonna try to run you off the field and. The 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 big the two biggest additions, you know, I, I I think are you know Leon Flock who was signed for a nominal amount from St. Pauli and has arguably been I think the most underrated player that the unit have had in the past two years. His work rate is second to none. He covers every blade of grass on the field. He will you know when him and Brujo combined. Are, are an absolute wrecking ball. And it has been insane night and day for this midfield to finally have someone who 
could take the running off of Ali Bedoya because Ali Bedoya is 35 years old and he is one of the smartest midfielders in this league, has an insane football IQ, but he needed to save his legs and having Leon has been helpful. And up top, you know, obviously Daniel Gosdike can, you know, cannot be understated how, how big he is. And Mikel Uwa you know, was great, but how, getting Julian Carranza initially on loan from Inter Miami, and then you know Ernst Tanner with a master stroke of a deal to make the you know the 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 you know, the claw, permanent clause transfer five hundred thousand. I mean Miami paid six million dollars for him, and listen, he seemed like obviously to most people he seemed like a bust, but. He was being played out of position. He was being played as a winger. And Robbie Robinson's suffering the same fate at Miami. Uh, you, you know, you play him as a you know as a second striker. And right away, you saw his ability to connect with Gosdag, his ability to get in behind, to get in those dirty areas. And that front three has been, you know, changed by the fact now that Daniel Gosdag has strikers that can actually connect, can actually play. And I've been saying this all year, when the front three finally gets going, they are the best front three in the league. And right now, I they're, I mean, they, they are the reason, obviously besides the you know league's best defense, they are the reason that this team is where they are right now. John, let me ask you something. Um, what is the census as far as the future with Carlos Vela? Well, he's signed through next summer. Um, I, I think for a lot of LAFC fans, it's the question of not whether or not Carlos Vela is a great addition to the LAFC squad. That's unmistakably yes. It's whether or not a DP slot is the best solution long-term for Carlos Vela. Him staying with the team is is a massive boost to the team. You know, what he does in the locker room, what he does in the community, and certainly what he does on the pitch are all massive to the success of this team. You know, he wears the captain's armband for a reason, and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. But as he continues to age, is he going to be worthy of that DP slot? And I think more importantly to the LAFC community, is he going to be able to accept a contract that is not a designated player level? Because if you're able to buy him down with allocation money, then you absolutely keep him. But there's only so many DP slots in a roster. And as he continues to age, is he worthy of that DP slot? But that's a 2023 problem. 2022, right. Carlos Vela, you know, has really changed from the goal scoring prolific threat that he was a couple years ago in his MVP season to being the facilitator, being the motivator. Right. And, you know, with him leading the team and assists this season, I think he's settled into that role quite well. It, it's crazy to think where we're at with that, but you know, it's funny because we kind of went through that with Allie um, and Allie went, you know, he, he took, you know, less money. We got rid of the DP slot as well. Um, and, you know, it's just for the greater good of the team. You know, it's it's understanding that this team needs more. And, you know, obviously you're in a different spot of your career. That is that is definitely big. Um, Drummond, I just don't want this game to be decided on a BS red card or penalty call. Um, oh, I think every LAFC fan completely agrees with that. I, I don't <laughs> I think there have been at least 10 or 15 games in which everyone was irate with pro ref at the end of the game. Um, and. 
you know, as much as it frustrated some of the Austin fans that the penalty wasn't called, what we saw from Villarreal and Pro Ref in the Western Conference Final, where they just let them play, you know, don't let whistles play a big part in the game, let the talent out on the pitch decide it, was refreshing to see as an alternative from some very over-officiated games we have seen early on. But I hope that is the trend going into this cup. I hope there are far fewer whistles, but... um, you know, look, these are two physical teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if they both attempt to employ that to their advantage. And if the ref decides to interject himself into the game, pro ref has decided games this year. You know, uh, we all know wild, that. man. Wild. <laughs> but, but listen, who gets who gets the yellow card first, El Brujo or Calvin Acosta? That's a very good question, right? <laughs> I mean, is uh, does Giorgio Colini decide to play volleyball? Um, you know, I mean, who knows, right? Um, there's so many things that could happen in this game, and and one decision like that can absolutely turn the tide of a game. I don't think a penalty for Austin would have really turned the tides in that game. That they were not showing much. That you know, if it had gone to two one, that they were going to find a way to scrap back into that game. But uh, it can. Um, and Pro Ref has certainly shown that the you know they can influence a game. I I think for both fan bases, we just want to let them play. Absolutely, man. It is is so like trying to understand the Western Conference Finals here. So is it more so that Austin did not show up, or is it the LAFC just were on another level that day? You know, that's a fantastic question. Austin is a really good team. I think they have outperformed a lot of their metrics throughout the course of the season, and and statistically they were due for a regression to the mean at some point in time. It, it just seemed to happen to every single player at every moment. Um, I think there's also something to be said for LAFC. You know, they went out to such a huge lead in the supporter shield, right? And then it was really more of a focus of integrating players, working through some new tactics, figuring out a few things. I don't feel like the team really had their foot on the gas throughout the end of summer. And I feel like they were saving up a lot of these performances for the playoffs. And, And now that we're in the playoffs, we got through a very, very emotional and hard game against our bitter crosstown rivals. I think it was just such a relief at that point. You know, in listening to Ilya Sanchez's comments after the game, he said, you know, for many of the players, it felt like at halftime, we almost forgot we were in a Western Conference final. And it was all just about having fun again. And for the first time in a while, it felt like they were just out there playing some free-flowing, beautiful soccer, something that they've been kind of holding back on throughout the course of, you know, the final games of the season. And now that you know, there's no capacitor. Everyone's going full bore to see what this team can do. It's been exciting to watch. Absolutely, man. Um, so, Drummond here. Uh, I had to say this, uh, but I doubt Bedoya plays in this game. He could barely climb the stairs. You're, you can tell in the interview he knows he's done this season and possibly for good. I can't think about the future, Drummond. Uh, uh, but- we talked about this, Justin. It just I, I don't know what to think or what to expect from him on on Saturday night. I think listen, uh, you know, you know, Jim, he'll give him every opportunity to attempt it. Um but I think also Ali knows if he's ready or not. I mean, he's he's a tough son of a bitch, you know. Ali really has to be in pain, man. Yeah. Ali's the one who's gonna tell Jim whether or not he's ready, not the other way around. That's how <laughs> Ali is. He is, you know, one as I said, one tough son of a bitch is a reason he's been the captain for a long time now. And listen, if if the union do win, you you might see Ali actually call it a career. I I don't know. I mean, 
I, you know, he is on other contract for next year. He could decide to step down. Um, but knowing Ali, even he could also be like, you know what? No, I want to, I want to do one more year. So who knows? I, I think either way, Ali Bedoya's impact will be felt one way or another. You know, if he, if he can't play, you know, he'll be as close as he can, you know, probably sitting on the bench or, or on the area if he can. I think that's sad for all MLS fans, right? We're probably not going to see Bedoya in this game. We're probably not going to see Gareth Bale in this game. And I think, you know, on paper, for everyone across the league and across the world, it would be a better game if both of those players were out there at top fitness and performing. Uh, and it's disappointing. But, you know, this is where depth gets tested. And frankly, you know, I thought Philly looked a lot better after he came off in your conference final. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where – the, the consensus was if they could get 45 out of him, 30, you could probably get 45. And around that 30 to 35 minute mark, you could tell he was laboring. I mean, it was very obvious. And listen, Ali Bedoya and Jack McGlynn are two different players. But the one thing that Jack McGlynn has the ability to do, and we saw it on a few occasions, is drop those dimes in behind. And you have strikers that can run on. And if they can catch up to it but don't have a shot, well, you have, you know, the guy who's tied for, you know, second in the golden boot race, you know, running in behind and will blast that home. And, oh, don't forget, you also have super sub Corey Burke coming off the bench and manhandling your defense, as we saw on 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 Sunday. It's, you know, it, it can't, you know, they're the one thing that both teams have managed to do well this year is use their depth. Both teams, there's a reason why this is the first time since 2003 that two number one seeds have made it to the MLS Cup final. And these are the two deepest teams. These are the probably the two best offensive teams, probably two of the best defensive teams. It's, it is a absolute juggernaut of a battle. It'll be an absolute, you know, you know, heavyweight, you know, 12 round, you know, boxing match. And who knows how long this will take. It, and it's it's not going to be blowout either side. There is no way with these two teams. There is there it is not going to be more than one goal margin if it if it is decided in 120 minutes. It is going to be, you know, tight as nails. And as our uh, as our boss and, and friend Liam would say, it'll be squeaky bum time for most of the game. <laughs> that's, that's for sure, guys. I don't think that this is going to be a one sided affair. Just a reminder. Um, every, the three times that both these sides have faced off against each other, it's ended in draws. So let's just put so it. So you're way. saying that Jakob Lesnar's going to fire one from 45 yards now? <laughs> he could very well. This is going to take 120 minutes, maybe PKs. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I think you know, as an LAFC fan and from the black and gold perspective, nobody wants to see this go to PKs. <laughs> um, you know, I I, I don't. You know, I do not want to put the game in Blake's hands. Um, you know, uh, Philly has some scary players. I mean, none more Frankenstein horrific than than your goalkeeper, right? I mean, he is arguably the best goalkeeper, you know, the league has ever seen. Uh, certainly I, yeah, the best goalkeeper seen, this year. Um, you know, and I mean, just, you know, look at look at our most recent matchup. I mean, LAFC outshot Philly, I think it was 22 to 9 in the last game. Um, but the game ends 2-2, you yeah. know, and, and we've seen a lot of those games here um, as an LAFC fan, right? I mean, Philly had two shots on goal, scored two goals. 
right? Um, you know, and, and and those are the kind of results that Philly has been able to grind out all season long. I mean, you're not a team that's going to rack up the highest number of shots, but the amount of shots that go in versus taken, um, you know, it's an incredibly high percentage, right? Um, and and so I look, if, if this game goes to PKs, I, I think that's the one time in which you could say there is a clear advantage and it is advantage Philly, in my opinion there. So, I mean, if I'm LAFC, and this game is tied at the end of 90 and we're going into stuff. You got to throw the kitchen sink at it at that point. <laughs> um, you, you cannot let this game go to PKs. Um, that's that's you know, that's not a good situation for us. But, it's you know, as far as, you know, 90 or 120 minutes, that, that's where I think the game has to be won from our perspective. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that listen, Andre Blake is you're right. I think he has to be in the discussion for probably one of the best goalies this league has ever seen. And there's been a lot of, you know, we start with, you know, Tony Miola, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller, you know, Stefan Fry at this point, Tim Melia. You could go down the list of, of, you know, goalies that have played this league, that have graced this league, and have just been insane. And, and then you have, you know, like I said, it's that ability where I've been saying it all season, the union may not outshoot you. In fact, most of the time they may be outshot. But if you the 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 thing that the union do have is they have been clinical. They've been clinical with the few chances they get. And if you give them those those key opportunities, they will take it. And I think, yeah, I think if it's into extra time and you see, you know, you see the union pressing. I think Sharondal is going to have to. You're going to have to throw the kitchen sink. You're going to throw, do what Cincinnati did in the second half of the semifinal, and just throw everything you got at it because you do not want Andre Blake deciding. And Andre Blake is probably one of the best active goalies in in in, in stopping PKs. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think he was the deciding moment in your conference final. That massive, massive save he had. When the game was, you know, one nil NYCFC, I, if that goal goes in, I, I don't know if we see the quick two, three goals in succession that y'all were able to to rattle off there. Um, it becomes a completely different game at that point. That that save was the momentum swing that I think really lit the fire that got you guys back in that. Yeah, man. that's that's concerning. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, I, and I've said this from the start is in the past, you know, Andre Blake used to have to steal us games. And this season, he is assisted in in securing games. And yeah, the you know goalie is as 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 a goalie myself, the goalie is the most underappreciated and easily criticized position. I said this earlier, but the impact a goalie can have in one moment, that save on Collins, just hard you know hard arm out, stop uh, Jack Elliott clears and yeah you know, that was what 60 minutes within five minutes you score a goal like that momentum changer both co- coaches said that absolutely changed the momentum of the game and if it's tight like that and andre blake comes up with another save like that you if you're lafc you got to look at that next five to ten minutes and go oh shit you know this team has a momentum we better we better shore things up and i think it's going to be in this game. I think it's going to come down to that one moment, either, you know, a sliding block goalie, making a key save. It's going to be one of those moments that is going to set the, set the, 
the 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 pace for this game. Yeah, or or in true MLS fashion, it's five nil at halftime and, and <laughs> completely over one direction, right? Uh, and despite all of the metrics saying it's going to be a close, well fought game, one team will just run away with it, right? I mean, it's 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 that's always a possibility. Absolutely. One more question, John, before we get to lineups and predictions. Um, you know, I've been hearing a lot so far LAFC being the favorites on Saturday, which you know I understand. But for you, what worries you the most about this Union team? What aspect of this club worries? I, I mean, if if I had to pick number one, it's Blake. I mean, okay. that's that's absolutely the biggest fear. If I had to pick a number two, uh, to me, it's Carranza, uh, and I think we saw it in you know the two-two draw we played earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Carranza's falling over, got a man right in front of him outside the box, and somehow halfway to the ground, he fires a perfect curler to the top corner for you guys to take a two-one lead in that game, right? Um, and you can do everything right defensively. And he's still one of those players that, you know, even if he's blocked off a ball, even if he's outside the box, even if he doesn't have a good look, he can still put a ball in the back of the net. Right. And and that to me is very concerning because you can do everything right and still lose when you have a player with that kind of talent out there on the pitch. Um, to, to me, that's that's probably the one A, one B concern for LAFC. You know, the other thing is, uh, of course, but I, I think this weighs for both of our teams is that this is our first MLS Cup. Right. So sometimes you worry that the teams, you know, had so much emotionally invested in making it to the cup that once they get there, there might be just that little bit of focus, that little bit of attention to detail that tapers off because there was so much concern about not making it here that there might not be that attention to detail once you're here. Um, so on our side, that's the concern is, is the focus. And I think we've brought in the right kind of players that have the right kind of experience to be able to keep that focus through the cup final. But uh, as far as what you guys bring, you know, look, these are the two best front threes in the league, a 1A and 1B, if you will. Um, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun one. And I'm so glad I'll be front row watching it. <laughs> Damn straight, man. All right, let's get to some lineups and predictions. Um, Jonathan, you can start here as well. Uh, what would the what would be the starting 11 in your opinion on Saturday night? I don't think we're going to see anything different than what we saw versus Austin. Okay. It's Cripo and goal. You're going to have Hollingshead and Escobar on the outside. You're going to have Giorgio Collini, and you're going to have Mario there across the back line. Uh, it would be Eddie Segura over Mario if he's healthy. It sounds like the injury is still going to keep him out of the starting lineup. Across the midfield, you're still going to have uh, Acosta and Sifu up front. You're still going to have Ilya Sanchez in the back. And the front three is still going to be Buwanga, Vela, and Arango. I, I don't see the need for any change there, nor any tactical advantage you would get by doing anything different. I still think, you know, as well as Kwadwo Mahala Opoku has played, he's a game changer that comes in for the last 20 minutes. LAFC have very little depth at midfield. There's no way Blessing or Mendez are going to get a start there. Um, and I think Escobar is still sort of suffering from the concussion he had earlier this year. And I think you want the offensive threat of Hollingshead over him. So I don't think he comes in at right back. All righty. Justin, any changes? Um, I think the only obvious change is Jack McGlynn in for Ali Bedoya. Yeah. I think, listen, as I say it, and this will be the last time all season I say it, Andre Blake in permanent marker. You know, <laughs> that that. That man, that you know, there is nothing anyone can do, and and I love Matt Freeze, but there's nothing anyone can do to the day Andre Blake says I'm done. To 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 change that fact, 
I mean, if this was a schoolyard game right now and and you split up all of MLS into two sides and you were captains and you got to pick first, I mean, there's nobody. There's nobody picking a single goalkeeper in the league over him right now, period. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's the obvious. Uh, Kai Wagner, arguably, I think, one of the best left backs in the league, and it's why he will probably not be here come 2023. I think, you know, he is – he has, you know, again – Another diamond in the rough project that that Ernst Tanner found and has elevated into a defender of the year status, you know, level player. Uh, one of the best center back pairings of, of Gladness and Elliott, two tall men who complement each other well. Both are great passers. Um, you know, Gladness definitely the 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 more physical of the two, uh, and I think you know Elliott obviously the quicker. Uh, is Olivier Mbizo, I, I you know, for all we said about him in last year's Eastern Conference Final, you know, he was the only real starter on the back line, and he was at fault for both goals. He arguably had one of his best games defensively in that Eastern Conference Final, and I think it's starting to show that he he is really starting to, to improve his defensive game, and he is absolutely ridiculous going forward. So the you know that real question is. Which you know which teams' fullbacks are going to pin the other teams' fullbacks back because both teams' fullbacks can bomb up the wings, and if the Union get going, LAFC is going to really really struggle to push that ball up because both teams like to play out of the back, like to get that possession going, and that's changed from the Union for the first half of the year. Where when we played LAFC, we were still a, a, a you know a, a dump and chase kind of a team. And now we don't mind having possession. We can, you know, we can really play the game out and allow the game to come to us uh, in the midfield. Again, El Brujo, you know, listen, that LAFC game in 2020 where he went through three different jerseys, I think endeared him to all of us. You know, that man is Philadelphia through and through. He is a, he is a meme machine, you know, just the way, the way he operates and the way he, He's obviously, you know, as Jim has said, he's become one of the best sixes in the league, arguably top five right now. Um, Leon Flock, as I said, probably the most underrated midfielder uh, in the Eastern Conference, someone who just has an insane work rate and can cover a lot of ground and allows Brujo to step up more than, than you know, the team may like. Uh, Jack McGlynn obviously will be in for Alley. Uh, Jack McGlynn, you know, is probably going to be the next homegrown to go. Um, he is absolutely a a regista type player, a player that can just stand and pick out a pass, you know, a thirty yard you know dime over the top, and uh, that's absolutely you know what allows Daniel Gosdag, who will be at the tip of that diamond, to just crash the box to play his game, which is being that goal scoring number ten. And also creating with the front two of Carranza and Ua. And I think, you know, Carranza, yeah, Carranza has that ability to just pull a rabbit out of his hat. And Ua is going to list, I think Chiellini is going to have his hands full with, with Mikel Ua because Mikel Ua is probably one of the fastest players on the team. He is a direct runner. He when he gets in behind, he is n- not someone who is thrown off the ball easily, and 
you know, if 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 they if this forces you know Murillo to really do a lot more of the running and force play, I think if that stretches that back line, it could be it could be you know this could be a long game, but I you're you're gonna see how this team has changed and how both teams have changed over these past few you know since they last met, and that's why honestly that's why I'm beyond excited for the for this game and it will be an absolute haymaker of a match absolutely all right let's knock this out real quick uh let's start justin let's go with the predictions give us predictions and a key to the match um i think this is going to be low scoring despite the offenses being what they are i think it is going to be a you know there are going to be a lot of chances and I think that's how it, is, and it was in the last matchup. But I think in terms of goals, I think it'll be it'll be a bit lower. Um, I don't know if my heart could take PKs, uh, but I am. I'm gonna say two-one Union. I think this is gonna be one where goals are traded in the first half, and then. You know, Corey Burke, I think Corey Burke is thrown on and shows his super sub. I mean, listen, he had, you know, that goal, that, that run he had for his goal was something I think in past years we haven't seen from him. And it, that is the reason why we, you know, we were able to get rid of Sergio Santos, why we've been fine with the three strikers as is. And I genuinely think the key to this matchup is going to be again which front three dominates which defense because it's going to be it's going to be a moment or two it's it's and when it comes down to it the union have been one of the most clinical teams with limited chances and i think if the, you're la if you're that back line of lst you are concerned because you saw what happened the last time they didn't have many chances but guess what both those shots on net went in and can you say definitively that Andre Blake is going to give up two goals again. Like that's the thing. That's something you can't rely on and go. Yeah, we'll be able to pump two or three past the Union. It's like, well, wait. You pump, you know, at least two past Austin because Austin wasn't ready. And I think punched above their weight this season. I don't know. I don't think you're to catch the Union napping in in this game. And I think it, you'll see why. And I think. Andre Blake will win the playoff MVP because he has been the reason you one of the reasons you got here, and he's the reason arguably that you outside you know before that explosion of goals, he's the reason you won that game. Absolutely, man. Jonathan, give us a prediction, and since this is a Union podcast, give us a key for the Union to beat your LAFC side. Um, so the, the key to the match for me, the biggest matchup is going to be Blake versus the ball. Um, you know, if, if he can find a way to, you know, once again, just be on his head and stopping everything left and right, um, that then, then Philly's going to be hoisting a cup at the end of this game. Um, if LAFC can figure out a way to take this high volume of shots and, and create high quality shots instead of volume of shots, or if that volume finds a way to be just a little more clinical, then, then LAFC will walk away with it. But I, I think this game will be decided by the gloves of Blake. 
uh, and and whether or not he's able to make the big saves in those big moments. Um, it's going to be a game of millimeters, um, whether or not he's going to be able to get to the shot or not. And, and I think that ultimately decides who is the 2-1 victor. Um, I, I do think this is a much different LAFC team than than faced Philly last time. Um, I, this is arguably a better Philly team now than when they faced LAFC as well, too. So, I, I mean, look, you can't ask for much more than this, right? I mean, this is arguably the best MLS Cup final ever. It is undoubtedly the best MLS Cup of the last 20 years. And we are going to be treated to one heck of a game either way. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and call it 2-1 for the black and gold. 2-1 for the black and gold. Jonathan called it there. Jonathan, one more question before we head out here. What are tickets running for right now in Bank of California for Saturday? Uh, I think a little over $1,000 is the cheapest that I have seen today. Uh, I would imagine they would probably get back down into the five dollars to $600 range. Uh, I think we're at that moment in the ticket cycle in which prices are extremely high. I think That's if you wild. wait till day of the game, you might be able to sneak in for $250 to $350 um, a ticket. But um, it's it's going to be a wild one, right? No one's going to be allowed to park at the stadium because yeah, I saw that. That homecoming. is bonkers. <laughs> um, so Exposition Park runs the parking. LAFC does not run the parking. Uh, and Exposition Park informed LAFC a couple days ago that they will not allow any MLS fans to park at the stadium. So they're going to be having everybody park at Dodger Stadium and and have them shuttle on down and they're encouraging people to take Metro. It's wow. going to be a little wild. I think, uh, you know, the black and gold family are pretty furious that uh, Exposition Park has taken our tailgate space away from us. They have taken our parking away from us. Um, and I think that's adding a little bit of spice to everybody as they come into the stadium. So I think fans are going to be, you know, there's not going to be a very relaxed atmosphere when fans get into the stadium, right? So I, I do think, you know, one thing I know is that the 3252 will be insanely loud. It's going to be about 25 degrees cooler this weekend than it was for the Austin game. Uh, we had multiple fans in the North End getting sent to the medical tent because they were suffering from heat stroke in this last game. I don't All think right. we're going to be seeing any of that this time around. You're going to have a very, very boisterous North End. Um, you know, and there's a healthy contingency of, you know, Duke fans coming out as well, too. It's, it's just going to be a great day for soccer in this country. I think, you know, we might look back in 10 years and consider this one of those turning point moments where this league really takes a boost from this game. And I'm hoping the quality on the pitch from both teams delivers what my heart is, is hoping just in a quality of game. Um, and win or lose for LAFC, I, I hope the league is better off on Monday than it is today. Should be fun, man. It should be a lot of freaking fun. Jonathan, where can people find the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast? Uh, at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. You can find Shoulder to Shoulder podcast on pretty much every podcast platform that is out there. Uh, we are in about an hour going to be recording a super pod where we are bringing in hosts of every single one of the 900 LAFC podcasts. Um, to try and do a giant roundtable with 10 or 15 different shows being represented, getting our fans hyped up and ready for this game. Uh, it's a really fun, well-knit community amongst the LAFC pod fam, and uh, we're going to be cranking out some content for everybody. And uh, I've been doing guest appearances on like 900 different shows this week as well, too. I was on BBC Wales early, late last night, early this morning for them. And uh, you know, like everyone's just excited about this. And so, I mean, you can find us a lot of places, shoulder to shoulder, but appreciate you, Compa.
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jonathan Reimer. And of course, to the Shoulder Shoulder podcast. And thank you guys for checking on in this episode of Duke by the River. Truly appreciate it. It's a fun time right now. Of course, the Union are in the MLS Cup, and I'm I'm hoping you guys enjoy it as much as we are as well. Uh, make sure you guys hit the like button, subscribe for more of your future live viewings of Duke by the River. Of course, you can find us wherever you stream podcasts. We're available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Find us under Duke by the River Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Jonathan Reimer from the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. That is Justin Body by Burke Instructor, Instructor Friedberg. Of course, I am El Parcero Philly, and we're telling you guys to dupe on. Bring home the cup. Let's go. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.